welcome listeners to another episode of the Squire Empire podcast. I have Shay on the line with me today. How are you doing today? I'm doing amazing. How are you? I'm not doing too bad. I know we've been, you know, we were going back and forth throughout my whole time in Japan trying to make this episode happen. And it took a lot of time zone and a lot of back and forth, but we finally made it happen. We finally made it happen, and I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited. I'm excited to have you, too. Uh, tell, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. So, hello, everyone. My name is Koshay. I am the owner of Dynamic Weight Loss and Wellness. My mission is to lead, educate, motivate, and inspire you to become the best version of yourself um, through a combination of mindset, transformation, nutrition education, and physical mastery. Man, you, how, how do you have time to do anything else with, with <laughs> being such a well-established coach? How long have you been coaching? Well, this is my third year life coaching, second year of physical training. So first I started out just life coaching, really just getting into people's mindset. I worked in the medical field for a long time, uh, like 10 plus years. Um, I have a strong background in psychiatry and endocrinology and sleep medicine. But it's kind of what sparked my interest in life coaching because people would tell me more than they would tell the psychiatrist before they go talk to him. And he was like, what are you doing? Like, what do you do? What do you tell these people? How do you get them to be so open with you? And um, it's just always been one of my natural gifts. People just always come to me and they always able to talk to me and they like getting advice from me. Um, so I started out life coaching and then I um, added the fitness component after I lost my daughter in 2018. That was a very um, tragic and to triumph situation. Um, I was in a very deep depression and I was like, I don't know what to do. I need to find some type of outlet. And I found kickboxing. And so once I found kickboxing, I was like, man, everybody needs to feel this good. Like everybody should feel like this. And that's when I added the fitness component to my programs. Wow. Well, sorry to hear your loss, but it's 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 beautiful to hear that you were able to find an outlet. And I think that's a big thing is, you know, we can have tr traumatic and tragic things happen to us, but it's like what we do in response to it that really shows us like how strong we are and I think how strong we can be for the other people because even though it's a loss definitely as a mother there's other people that you know felt that pain as well you know absolutely and throughout the, my journey I've been able to help other people as well as other moms um they felt they couldn't pull themselves out of that their funk or their depression as well so um it definitely turned out to be more uh, positive and a negative thing. Once I was able to pull myself out of that place, of course, you know, uh, depression is a thing that you can really get easily funneled into and stuck in, and it can be very hard to get out. Um, so with different practices is how I got myself out of those type of situations. So if you're a person and you listen to this and you struggle with depression, firstly is finding an outlet. If it's a person that just listens to you vent. Sometimes you don't need advice. Sometimes you just need somebody to listen to you, right? You just need to vent. Um, journaling was like my main thing that I did. And I suggest journaling for men and women, because especially for men, honestly, a little bit more because men aren't as vocal as women are. So journaling is a very great outlet. You don't ever have to read it again. You can torch it, burn it, whatever you want to do to it after. But just get it out. Just get it out. Write it out. That's so, That's so, so, so ironic, ironic that you uh, mentioned journaling because I, I bought um, about a couple of weeks ago, I bought a book. It's, I think it's called like Burn After Writing. It's a little journal that I, I bought. And and that's kind of like and it just it's just funny, like how how like the coincidence happened. But I remember like reading it and like one of the first three pages is like you're part of the this secret society and you need to sign this and like, and I was just like, okay, I can really see that they wrote this, this journal to really cause you to think, but also to like to empower you to like, just really just be free enough to really express those thoughts that maybe, maybe verbally you don't feel comfortable enough to express it, but being able to write it out, you can, 
you know, truly let your mind go, you know? Yes, and that's important. Like, really letting your mind be free for a moment. Like, we deal with so much things in the world. We need an outlet, and we need to allow ourselves permission to feel and heal. Like, we we not allowing ourselves to do that. Like, we trying to rush the process. Like, I see a lot of people always, well, if I just heal first, then I can move on with my business. Or, let me finish healing, and then I can do this. But that's really not how it go. Like, you don't stop to heal. Like, the healing is a process. Like, you still have to keep going through your everyday life, trying to do your everyday functions. And healing is the process. Like, you're going to have certain situations to test if you really healed or not. So, really going into the situation, feeling like, oh, I'm just going to heal. No, no, no. It's all a process. So, you got to give yourself grace and give yourself permission, permission to heal and feel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think a big part of it as well is, um, like you talked about being a life coach, you know, having that rapport with people to build up that trust, I think also feeds into having the permission to allow yourself to say, I have to work on this sooner or later if I want to truly get better. You know, I, I don't think anybody expects uh, you to get over everything overnight but you have to start somewhere. So it's, it's great to see that you took things that you were maybe casually interested in and you were able to like leverage it into being like, you know, in like a business and a profession, you know, there's that old saying, and you probably know it, uh, you know, when you find a job that you love, you'll never work another day in your life, you know? So that's, that's kind of like one of those big things I'm always looking for is like, how do you do the thing you love to do be passionate about it and not do it for selfish reasons, but of course, be able to pay your bills with it. You know what I mean? Because you know, yes. volunteering and doing things for the community, all those things are great. But at the end of the day, we have bills and responsibilities and and families to take care of. And speaking of families, um, how many kids do you have? I am a boy mom of three and an okay. angel mom to a daughter. Okay. So I've had four pregnancies and all ladies. So I've had four pregnancies, three babies. Um, I have a 12-year-old, a five-year-old, and a three-year-old. Okay. So when you think about uh, the word legacy, like with having, being a boy mom and everything, what is that real, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Man, the vitalness it's so it's so critical for me, especially that I'm I'm raising black men, like I'm raising young black men. So um, my mission for them is very very critical, and the things that I do um, around in my community and to create this type of atmosphere that I'm trying to create for them um, is critical. Um, how, how would you explain how this? Would you create for them. So. I'm trying to teach them how to be self-thinkers. I think that's something that we lack in society a lot right now is somebody kind of teach or tell us what we should think or tell us what we should feel like. So really teaching them um, how to be self-thinkers and really stand on what they believe in and really, um, yeah, really stand on what they believe in. Like, don't be a pushover. Yeah, so, yes. so so do you, so, do you help your son or your daughter things like that? I do. I do. Uh, they do have, well, my oldest one does have a journal, and he does he does write, but his writing is kind of different. Like, he does art. Um, he likes to draw. So that's something that he likes to do. He likes to draw. So his journal is full of drawings of how he feels. Okay. Do you... Do you find it interesting that they all have their own personality and stuff? How does that go? Yes. <laughs> everybody had their own personality and everybody also had their own way that I had to interact with them. Like um, my middle child is very soft hearted. So if I yell at him, he's going to have a whole meltdown. So <laughs> it's really, <laughs> it's really learning how to communicate with each child and uh, catering to each uh, child's feelings and how they able to function. But it's definitely been an experience for me, especially um, 
transitioning from only having one child for a long period of time to having multiple children. Um, each time was a different adjustment. Like I'm a boy, I'm a getting used to being a mom of two. And then when I got used to being a mom of two, I had to transition into being a mom of three. Mm-hmm. So it's it's different every time. Like the workload get different every time. The the transition is different every time. Cause sometimes I'll be like, dang, what did we do with this child that we did different with this one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like sometimes you try to remember, like, what did I do different and what was I doing then and now versus now? So yeah. Um my parenting is definitely different than when I first had a kid because I was 18. I was a young mom. Mm-hmm. Versus now in my later 20s when I started having children. So my parenting has changed. Mm-hmm. So the things that I look for them to do or how I look to leave my legacy is different. Like I want them to be little entrepreneurs and I want them to understand business and work ethic. And I want them to understand certain things so they don't have to be just stuck in thinking, I got to go to college and I got to do this and I got to do that. Um, so, yes, yeah, a lot of work that I'm doing within the community to help kind of back the things that I'm trying to motivate in them. Absolutely. I love the fact that you brought up uh, work ethic because that's something that my parents have like impressed in me as well. And uh, I remember I, get, I got off work today and I was like, I need to go get a workout in because I knew this interview was coming. I was just running. But I just said, you know, it was kind of like the discipline of saying, like, I knew I needed to get a workout in, but I knew I needed to get home in time to get set up for for the podcast. So I said, you know what? I'm just, even if I had to cut my workout a little short, push it really hard, do a bunch of supersets, I'm like, I got to fit both in. And even just the couple of minutes we've been talking, it's like interesting to hear your story and hear like where you come from. And just like, you know, me being in the military, we we volunteer because we're very, the, the community supports us a lot. So they impress on us to go out and be in the community that supports us. But I love to hear people who are not in the military taking the time to donate their time and volunteer and be a part of it. Because if you are demonstrating that in front of your sons, they're going to be more a part of the community and not feel like it's just like, take, take, take. It's like, no, sometimes you have to give back. So I think that's great. Yes, and I'm really learning that. This year has been really eye-opening for me when it comes to the community and social changing and stuff like that because we're really just able now to get back out into the world and socialize right due to COVID. But it was in an a lot of these things and issues were already present and prevalent in the world. But when I was able to really get back out functioning and being in these places, like going to city council meetings, going to the legislature branch, going to Austin and talking to legislators, like it's been so mind like mind opening and and awakening because it's like we need to be in these places so desperately mm-hmm. we don't have any of us representing us in these places mm-hmm. so when I put myself in those places I began to get concerned like why are we not here I'm at the city council meetings and I'm only seeing elderly people like these people on canes walkers and wheelchairs trying to see what's going on in our communities and what's going on in our world and here I am able-bodied person able to get up and walk around and go you know and I'm like this is something I'm gonna have to start adding to my repertoire that I gotta do because if these elderly people can get out here and be activists and do things for the community and they barely holding on I definitely can do it and I was encouraging other people too like we need to become more activists and advocates in our community we complain about change but are we doing anything are we going to be with that one person to bring about any type of change? And it's like, if not, then we can't complain about it. If we're not going to put our feet on the ground and really be in these people's shoes and really understand what they're going through. Like homelessness here in Texas is crazy. Like people live and sleep under bridges, mm-hmm. you know, and it's somebody at the council, city council going every week trying to get a place. Where they no, you're fine. You're fine. So go, go back. So you were talking about, um, being an activist, just just go back over that part. 
Yeah, people, we got to be active in our communities or we can't complain about the changes that aren't occurring. Um, it's so much things, especially in Texas and Dallas that I saw when I went to the city council. I was, I'm just like, I was lost words from a So you were talking about being, uh, being in the community and going to, to city council meetings. Can you try that one more time for me? Yes. So we should be being active in these communities. If we want to really see change and transformations, we have to be those people that are going out there, putting our feet on the ground and actually seeing and experiencing what these people are going through. And that's the only way that we're going to know. Absolutely. It's as you were talking, the thing that came to my mind is, is you have to take being able body in your mind of what you see the change you want to be but then you have to be able body in your actions you know i think you mm. come up with a lot of great ideas and a great uh, a great principles of how things should go but if you stay in your little bubble and you don't go to the people to to hear it like, you know, articulated and, and bring the stats and bring the information to like help them make well-informed decisions, then then you're just you're just like blowing a lot of smoke, you know? And I, I definitely have seen the homelessness. I mean, I just moved to Texas myself. And, you know, uh, when you go, uh, the little turnarounds that are up in my area, when you go on that bridge, I mean, you might see two or three people but when you see the amount of like things they've stockpiled to be able to to sustain their life, it's like it's really sad. And it's and I wish it was in only one area. But at, no matter where I find myself going, if I find myself turning around underneath a bridge, I see two or three people out there. I think I saw a couple outside of Walmart the other day. You know, the woman like she was pregnant they had a sign out and they're really trying to like get on their feet. So, you know, I think I think that's really great that you're. I mean, not only worrying about the community from like like an adult standpoint, not only worry about the community from like being a good reflection for your kids, but then also just trying to just create a better world altogether. So something that makes me uh, something that made, made me want to ask you um, as you were um, talking about, like being very active and having a high work ethic. What other what other foundational principles do you feel like? drive you to to be who you are definitely my resilience mm. um my resilience is something i'm i'm very proud of um half of the time i don't even know how i do it <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of things that i've been through and people be like oh my god like what like how do you get through that and my resilience will have to be like top impeccable um I challenged myself in 2020 when I uh, started my life coaching business. I said, I want to see what happens if I don't give up. Because I had gave up so many times before starting something and stopping. And I was like, you know what? I want to challenge myself. If I don't quit, if I don't give up, I want to see what happens. So... Every time I think about giving up, I was like, you can't because you already told yourself you want to see what happens if you don't quit, if you don't give up. So it's really easy for us to quit. But I challenge you. See, see what happens if you don't quit. Mm -hmm. What? Where did you like is, is the resiliency that you built up at this place in your life? Is this something that you learned as a kid or is this something you just like, like kind of really built up recently like how how did this become such a big thing for you this was as a child as a child um my mom was an alcoholic and drug abuser my dad was in jail the first 13 years of my life mm -hmm. um so over time like i just i just developed this strong backbone and this very strong exterior because when you're dealing with somebody that has mental health issues um going through alcohol abuse and drug abuse you got to learn how to develop some tough skin because it's going to be times where they're going to say stuff they don't mean they're going to act irrational you're going to have to know that it's they being operated and controlled by a demon it's not even them it's they out their body right now like it's not even them so it was as a child 
I had to develop this type of resilience to stay in school, to not do drugs, to not, I knew I might didn't know what I wanted to be, but I knew everything I didn't want to be. Yeah. I knew everything I didn't want to be as a kid. So once I grew up, I was like, okay, well, I know I'm not going to do this and I know I'm not going to do that. So it's, it's building that resilience literally over time through growing up with a single mom and having a, a dad that was in, incarcerated and really just trying to make sure that I didn't, I, I didn't never want to disappoint my mom. Like I didn't want to feel like I was letting her down because she admired me. She admired my resilience. She admired how... I would still get up and go to school if her and my dad had been arguing all night. She admired that if I, uh, if she pushed me down or we done had an argument, my day's still gonna go. I'm still gonna treat you the same. My day's still gonna go the same. So it was really as a child I developed it. And as I got older, I think I, I became able to handle certain situations better. Being that it was almost, it, it was so much things that I had been through previous. So it was like, once I got older, certain things, I was just able to just really brush off and keep going because I had been through so much trauma as a child. It was like, okay, what else? Okay, what else? <laughs> and I moved out when I was really young. So mm-hmm. I was like 19 when I moved out. So I pretty much always been on my own. Just kind of building, building my own resilience around there. That's, that's interesting. You know, you don't really hear people being able to like acquire that skill at such a young age. Typically as a, you kind of, as an adult, you just keep bumping your head and you keep like recovering. But I mean, if you've been doing it since a child, it, it makes sense how you've gotten to the ability to, to deal with some of the situations you've dealt with and be able to bounce back so well. So, so I would guess that would, that would make me, and probably the listeners are probably curious as well of like, since like being a resilient person means that you have to really be mindful of like uh, preserving your energy and like figuring out what's important. What are some things that you feel like you had as you got older you had to cut out to like preserve your resiliency and like continue to work towards being who you wanted to be. Ooh, the people that I hung around, Mm. uh, people actually don't really understand how influential people that we surround ourselves with really are. Like your personal, the people that you hang around start bleeding into your personal life. If you aren't, you know, like careful, Mm-hmm. Um, and the older I got, the more I started realizing, like, ah, they not doing what I'm doing, or they not trying to go where I'm trying to go. So, ah, and I've had a lot of grief from ending some of these relationships. No lie, like these were some people that I done been friends with for years, and family members I done had to let go. You know, I think people really don't talk about the grief of letting these people go. Like, it hurt. Like, this is not nothing that you really necessarily want to do, but it's necessary for ascending. Like, in order for you to be able to go up, you're going to have to drop a lot of baggage. And I had to cut off a lot of people and a lot of things that I would normally do. Like, I had to put the person that I know I needed to be before the person that people wanted me to be. So it was like, I got to be this person. I can't be the person that y'all want me to be. So I got to go off and be this. So it was really taking myself out of those environments that I wanted to be in and putting myself where I needed to be. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's very insightful to be able to just t- like take a step back and realize that you have a bigger, higher calling and it's not personal, but there's just certain people that they're not being constructive with what you're doing. And in truly, if they see where you're going, hopefully you wouldn't have to cut them out. Hopefully they would just get on on board and be able to say, I'm, I'm going to stand out of your way and let you do the things. But I think the first thing that comes to my mind is just there's a lot of like entitlement. You know what I mean? I think when people have a lot of years invested in you or, 
or 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 maybe sometimes you've invested a lot of energy into them and they feel like oh you've been this big support for me like how could you go but no different than a bird like you got to flap your wings and and grow but i i think that's something that i love that's changing in in our community is i think i feel like when i was growing up there was like this like a uh, uh unspoken rule like you have to remain engaged with your family no matter what. Family is family. Who else you got? And I think in 2023, people are realizing that some family members are more detrimental than some of the friends they warned you, warned you about making as you were growing up. So no, I, seriously. So you end up finding out, like, I, I have friends that I've known in a shorter period of time who have more of my best interests in mind than uncles, aunts, and cousins. And I think it's it's great that you brought up the thing that I think that no one really talks about is that grief, you know? I think a lot of times we think about it just purely someone passing away, but but releasing those relationships and saying like, not like, oh, I'll say hi to you when I see you, but completely severing that relationship and knowing that, yeah, you have all those memories, but you can't, you can't be 50-50 double dutching in that relationship. You have to completely let it go. If you truly love that person, it hurts. But you have to realize that the, the bigger long-term outcome for you, your family, your kids, and who you want to be, you just can't be around that person. Right, because it comes a point where you have to decide who do you love more, you or yourself. <laughs> you just got to choose. Mm-hmm. It's like, who do you love more? Who do you value more? And I really had, and, and the, the cutting that relationship off with, with one of my friends did hurt. Like, it hurt. But, like you said, we, I got all the memories and all that. And when, when her mom passed away, I sent my condolences. And then she thought it was about to be an a open door back in. And I'm just like, like I hated to close it again, but I was just being nice, you know, because I knew this, you know, knew her mom and I'm just sending my condolences, but I still had to ah, close the door back again. I hated to do it, but, you know, sometimes we just have, that's that's the way you protect your energy, y'all. Like, mm-hmm. you have to have that spirit of discernment. Like, if it's somewhere where you're going and you get that inkling in the back of your head, that's like, oh, I really don't want to go. Don't go. Don't go. That's your intuition telling you something before you even get there. That little inkling in the back of your head that we usually always ignore. That's your intuition letting you know, don't go. Don't do it. Absolutely. It's so interesting because I think when you when you have to let those people go and then they but you can still be mature enough to like, when you know they're going through a hard time, you can send them a, uh, just a heartfelt like, hey, I know you're going through it. I hope you see through it. it. It just shows, I think how they respond to it really, really shows a lot about how they, I guess they look at you, you know? Because I think from what I've seen, what is normally the general way that that works out is if you reach out to somebody that you haven't talked to in a while, either they see it as a door opening and they want to rekindle it or they have a sense of like bitterness attached to it. And then it's like, oh, so now that this happened, now you can reach out. And it's like, like me, me and my mom, we had this discussion a, a little while ago. And it's just like, sometimes you're just doing the right thing by somebody regardless of how you feel about them. And I think some people aren't in a headspace where they can, they can focus on the gesture and, and, and the intent behind it versus their emotional reaction to it. Because if you, if you react too negatively to it, then all you do with that person and other people is that you just seem like a person who's maybe just not, mature and maybe a little bit ungrateful so that way when you really are down and out your your circle of people that you have to um 
well, you know, it gets smaller. And then if you try to like kick the door in and rekindle it, then to me, that means that you probably have a little bit of issues with boundaries because you knew our communication was at whatever level before I reached out to you. So the fact that you would use that to try to be like, oh, let's get back. Like, no, that, that's not what the context I set this up with. I set it up to just purely as a, as a good person, as someone who loves you, uh, <laughs> loves you from afar. I thought you were going through a hard time and I just wanted to, to, to know, let you know that you're not alone, but also that I'm not the one to support you at this time, you know? Yes. And I think we have to be honest with that too, with ourselves. Like, although you are so right, like she was in that position and myself, I was going through something with my mother. I was transitioning my mother into the nursing home. Mm -hmm. So she dealing with a loss. I'm dealing with a transition. Neither one of us can be good support for each other right now. I can't help you. You can't help me. I don't want to, you know, it's like, I don't want to be a burden to you because I'm in this transitional phase and you done already been through. So you feel like this light, you know, you feel like this is nothing because the worst for you has happened already. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, we can't even be beneficial to each other right now. And I think we as humans and as as people and friends, if you being a good friend, that's also letting them know, look, I, I know you're going through something right now, but that's a little bit more than I can even bear to listen to or handle. Because a lot of times we take on other people's stress. Mm -hmm. As I was listening to another podcast, and I think you know the saying, it's uh, I can do bad all by myself. But I think what you just really connected it to me for me is if if you're not if you're not having healthy relationships, I think the concept of doing bad all by yourself can be like a self-fulfilling prophecy because you are ruining the relationships around you because you're making yourself the most important person into it. And then I think if you're not honest about what you're doing, you won't even know how bad you're truly doing. So it's like, so if you think about the concept, it's like, oh, I can do bad all by myself. Okay, well, how do you know when you're doing bad? Because if you ask those people, they say, oh, I'm doing good. I don't need you in my life. Life's been good without you. Okay, if it truly is, okay, so be it. But at some point, you're going to struggle. At some point, you're going to need to lean on somebody. And if you don't have a lot of people to, to, to support you, then you truly are doing bad all by yourself. And I think that's where, that's where your mental health and, and, you know, now, now you find yourself in a situation where you're grasping at straws and you're trying to do everything overnight. You're like, I'm in a bad spot. I'm going to church three times. I'm going to go and, uh, you know, use alcohol. I'm going to do all these things that make myself feel better where realistically, if you were working on your relationships with the people around you and being more mindful, you wouldn't have to go through it as as a like by yourself as you are. That is so true. And I think a lot of people misconception is like I, I've seen a lot of people on Facebook and stuff say like when they're going through something, they don't want their negative energy to rub off on anybody. So they try to, you know, isolate themselves. And a lot of the time this is like the most unhealthy thing we can do. I think we did enough isolating ourselves throughout the pandemic. I think we had enough isolation and I think we need to learn how to be, um, we need to learn how to express ourselves without the fear of being judged. Like um, we all have been through some things. We all have did things that we aren't proud of. We somebody, we've all did things we ain't proud of. And I think a lot of us, a lot of us go through life thinking that we got to be this perfect person because of what society paints a picture of. And you, you don't like, you have to give yourself this, this, I'm telling you permission, like give yourself permission to be yourself. Don't wait on nobody to tell you who you are. Like be, be who you want to be and don't wait on nobody to, to give you no confirmation that you need to do that. And you have to be validated by anybody to do so. Yeah, and I, I think you 
said comes down to validation is I think important right because it kind of gives you like a a mental report card of kind of like where you're going or I would say I wouldn't say necessarily where you're going it just kind of like where you're at currently but I think for a lot of people who need a lot of validation I think they need to do a little bit more soul searching as to where do they want to go because if you're only being validated I think about I guess I think about college right if you're only being validated when you're in freshman year and you're not thinking about what sophomore, junior, and senior year gets uh, entails, then you're going to be stuck in that freshman mindset. You're not going to think that the class are going to get progressively harder, right? So then when you get to that point where it's, you know, you're, you're struggling and you want to quit, it might be a lot easier to quit because you never saw yourself graduating. You were just purely focus on the moment that you were in. Does that make sense? Yes, that does make sense. Some people get good with that complacency piece. And just to go back to the I can do bad all by myself, that's like the it's like the terminology, like look what you saying to yourself. Like why would you want to do bad? Like any form of bad. Like that's a toxic trait. So it's like we also have to be mindful how we talk to ourselves. Like talk to yourself like you talk to your homegirls and homeboys now. Compliment yourself like you compliment them. Speak to yourself nicely, not abruptly. You know, like talk to yourself good. So when people say I can do bad all by myself, normally you attracting a lot of bad things, a lot of bad energy and a, and a, a forming a lot of toxic relationships. So if you change that, and I can do good all by myself, which we never heard it. Mm -mm. We never heard it, but if they was to change it, they'll be doing so much better. They think they're doing doing good by not having nobody in their personal space, but if they call in all that good energy, it'll be so much better. Like, speak positivity over your life. Yeah, it's it's so it takes a lot of time to realize that some of us need to slow down so we can speed up. And I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, when I see patients, one of the big things we focus on is change talk, you know, like I think in some aspects, it's okay to have some negative self-talk to be able to push yourself. If you're using it for a fuel, you know, let's just say you're running a 5k and you're at three miles, but you're not, you're not over that one, that uh point one, two that you need to. Yeah. If you need to say, Hey, you can't quit. You got to do it. You know, that I can see that. But I think a lot of times I agree with you. I think a little bit more positive self-talk would, would help people get a lot further, not just with who they want to be, but I think in their relationships, you know, uh, as well. I think so many times people expect the worst of people who are truly doing the best by them, right? And then if that person decides that based upon how you're treating them, that they want to impose a boundary because you're not treating them the way they want to be treated. Now you feel like, oh, you see, this person wasn't good to me in the first place. And it's like, no, 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 no. The issue was you weren't good to yourself. And because you weren't good to you, how could anybody else be good to you? Mm, yes, that is so true. Like we forget that people watch how we treat ourselves. If somebody had to remind me of that, like people look at how you treat yourself and people look at how other people around you treat you so they can get a summarization of how they want to treat you. Mm -hmm. I think 100%. I think we, 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 we attract people that are like-minded. And I think sometimes we have to also be comfortable enough to say that this person doesn't really agree with what I really want out of my life. And even though they might have some positive attributes or they may even have something that I can learn from, I, I, I can't really allow this person to be so close. It's kind of the same concept of like, you know, going into business with somebody who has some bad business practices. It's like, yeah, you might make a lot of money, but do you want to have your, your legacy and your name and and everything that you built tied to something that you know isn't isn't on solid ground. 
Man, I had that happen too. Like being in being in the business world, we be having to be careful. And it was like a point of time where I was like, "Dang, am I gonna have to start doing background checks on people that I work with?" Because it just was crazy. Like I started, I was doing MLM, and then I started finding out things about my mentor, and it was like in the newspaper articles and all this. And I'm just like, "Wow!" And we had got really close, but I'm like. Ah, I can't, I can't have my brand attached to that because it's like once I started seeing me elevating, people that knew my mentor started attacking me. They're like, "Oh, you think that about them? Where well, here's this? Here goes this, and this is what they really about." And I'm like, "Whoa, you know, like even though it was a while ago, and we ain't, you know, we don't." I don't judge people from their past mistakes. What you did in your past is your past, which I wasn't judging him, but I did have to use that spirit of discernment and be like, ah, you have taught me so much and I really, really appreciate you, but ooh, I can't, I just couldn't jeopardize my integrity. And, and you know, the people that I work with, they'd be like, oh, so you work with him? Did you know that he do this, this, and that? You know, so it's like, ah, yeah. It's, we have to be mindful of, of who we attach ourselves to at the same time, too. And, and uh, even when you're a communicator and you set the boundaries of what you will and won't tolerate, I think we have to realize that certain people who want what they want they don't really care about your boundaries so you have to be you know let's just say if you miss the discernment in the beginning yeah. it's like you have to be you have to be so locked into your integrity and so locked into your principles of who you are that you'd be willing to walk away from a situation rather than just be complacent and allowing it to all fall apart you know i think Sometimes I think, you know, I think God looks out for us and gives us a red flag for us to be able to say, hey, you might want to think about this a little bit more. But then through our intuition to be able to say, let let me let me let me look and see what I'm is. Is this what I think it is? Okay, once you verify it, you got to find an exit strategy as soon as you can, because if not, you'll just put more time, more money and then more of your own. Uh, your perception of others, others people's perception of you will be all tied into it. So when it falls apart, now everything that has your name on it is tarnished, you know? Yes, and that is what I could not, I could not jeopardize. Like, I, your name means a lot. We only, we only get one shot at this. Mm-hmm. My name holds a lot of weight. Everybody know like I'm I'm gaining so much more momentum. Everybody is beginning to know me. I'm developing a strong omnipresence. It's like I cannot afford that. Mm-hmm. It's like I can't I can't afford it. So something that I wanted to ask you, since like it sounds like you're so grounded in like who you are as a person and taking care of your family and things like that. Like, what is your inspiration, like, outside of, like, your immediate family that, that, that allows you to stay so positive and upbeat and, like, focused? Well, I do have a few um, people that I follow on social media. Um, one is my, one of my favorite business coaches. Her name is Jana Butler. Okay. Um, she pulls my edges back when I be feeling like I'm just stressed and I just want to quit and I just hate life coaching and I don't want to do this anymore. I'll go and listen to her and she'll be like, have you forgot what, what you're doing this for and what you connected to? So she always look, uh, look forward to her lives and her advice. Um, she gives some edge snatching advice on just keeping me in alignment, um, just things you might forget. And when it comes to music, I listen to Tony Jones. She has um, alchemy music is what I like to call it. Um, just music with high vibrations, with um, drums and flutes and, you know, very key sounds that kind of keep you in a high vibe. So I listen to that. Um, 
And I, I also listen to Derage Global at night on Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And just reprogramming your subconscious mind. Like, that helped me a lot. Like, I did that for 21 days. And that was the most productive practices and things that I have did. I'm actually going to try that again. I'm going to actually challenge people to do that with me. Um, just 21 days of reprogramming your subconscious mind. Um, reading also keeps me um, motivated because I learn something new every day. So I try to read at least 25 minutes or 10 pages, whichever one comes first. So if I complete 25 minutes, my little alarm going to go off and I made my 25 minute reading goal for the day. Or if I read faster and I get my 10 pages in, so whichever one um, comes first. So really just learning something new every day, um, staying active, really keeping my mind more active than my body, staying around people that challenge me and are always in motion, um, keeps me inspired. Like being around people that are always inspiring people to keep me inspired. Wow. That's good. I mean, I just got into reading a little bit more, trying to do the same thing, trying to push myself to like I feel like I have a lot of understanding of a lot of things from a surface level, but I, I'd like to like understand a little bit deeper because I think like at a surface level you can be like, okay, this this makes sense with the amount of information I know, but when you understand it deeper, you're like, oh, oh man, this is yes. this is way bigger than I ever thought it was, you know? Yes, read right now. I'm reading the laws of human nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a really good one. Like if you are um, interested in really knowing more about like people's mind and how we think and why people respond the way they do. Um, this has been this book has really been enlightening for me. Um, I've learned that we're not born being rational. So irrationality is the first law of human nature. Like we're not born being rational. Um, the second law is narcissism. And a lot of people have gave this term a negative connotation, but according to the laws of nature, we all have narcissistic tendencies. We all develop this trait as a child. And that book helped me understand more about narcissists and how people really kind of use the term very loosely because only 0.5% of people in the world have actually been diagnosed with this disorder. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, on social media, that's uh, a very big buzzword that's going around. And me, someone who's uh, who's clinical and working in the mental health field, definitions and criteria really mean a lot to me. You know? A lot. Absolutely. <laughs> working in the medical field, people don't know how critical that is. Like terms, definitions mean a lot. And those numbers mean everything. Yeah. So it's it's. It makes me cringe a little bit when I when I hear people uh, diagnosing people because I think I think a lot of times people who aren't medical and clinical they just see the dramatization of things in movies and television and they see it oh this is this diagnosis so they look for the closest person in their life and they're like oh this person acts the same way <laughs> and you put this label on this person. And then I think you I think people don't realize that you 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 sometimes can can ruin your own perception and ruin some of your relationships, you know. And I think for me, you know, that's one of the big things I avoid is 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 diagnosing people or uh, analyzing people from a clinical lens. But I but I am pretty good at like I'm a pretty good listener, I think. So when I look and I look at the behavior, I can take my whole mental health hat off. And be able to say, okay, like I hear, I hear, I hear what you're saying. And based on this, this is this seems like where where your issue is. Now, whether they want to accept it or reject it, that's up to them. But um, that's just something I've noticed that uh, um, that's really important to like uh, look at. So definitely, people, we got to stop diagnosing people. He is not the therapist or the psychiatrist. Yeah. So we can not diagnose these people and only a very small percentage of these people been diagnosed primarily because they don't think nothing wrong with them anyway. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
So as we as we get ready to wrap up, you know, one of the things that I think is kind of like a perfect time to ask since you're spending a lot more, you're spending all this time reading is like, is there any um, is there any quotes or anything that you read recently that like really resonated with you or 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 a mantra that you that you kind of refer back to that helps you out through life? Actually, I heard one recently when I was at this appreciation gala over the weekend. And he said, Byron Sanders, he said, if it got if it has to be, it's up to me. And that has stuck with me since the weekend. That has been riding me since the weekend. And I'm just like, yeah, if it has to be, if it has to be anything done. It's left up to me for it to happen. So it's left up to us for us to get it done. I agree. I think I think we really have a lot more power over our destiny and the outcomes that we have. But I think at the end of the day, uh, when it comes to anything, it's about you have to put the work in, you know, and Yes. Sometimes you're going to be tired. Sometimes you got to stay up late. Sometimes you got to drink you a, a nice hot cup of coffee or a, a nice tea. You might have to just you might have to just sacrifice a little bit more, but you just have to put the work in because if you don't, then you can't be really shocked or upset about the outcome. And that's why I like one of my favorite um, authors and social media personalities is David Goggins because like. Just seeing that dude, just, I mean, I the most miles I've ever run was a half marathon. So seeing this dude run 100 miles more than once is like, is mind blowing, you know? And just thinking about like the training and the build up to it. And has there been races that he's failed and not completed? Yeah, but it wasn't for a lack of effort. And kind of circling back to one of the things that I really appreciate you sharing was like, you shared like, failing several times and then challenging yourself to see what happens if I don't quit. And I think that's the big part that a lot of people aren't honest with themselves or with other people is the failure that it took to get there. You know, it's, I took a long break trying to get this, uh, you know, re I wouldn't say a relaunch, but just getting the, getting back into the flow of doing the podcast, trying to find guests and stuff like that. But even before, like I, I thought about it, and I would buy equipment and I would never start to pull the trigger. And I just kept going, going. And then I started seeing that, you know, as someone who enjoys listening to podcasts as much as I do, I learned that each person I was interviewing, it was helping me out. And then I was having my friends and people that I love say, oh, that was a really good interview. And that person, and I'm like, oh, wow. Like, so like now, like there's just like this this like reciprocity that I get out of being able to see like, Hey, yeah, I know it's a lot of work of getting up at crazy hours and time zones and, and going back and forth through email to set up a guest. But like the thing that someone else would get out of it is worth the time and the effort. You know, it, it was worth cutting my gym workout today a little bit short and rushing home to shower and eat real quick and, and check with you and make sure everything was working fine. But this interview has been another one of those ones where I know when I listen back to it, I'm going to get so much out of it. So um, I just think that there's a lot to, to gain from just pushing ourselves to be, you know, maybe we don't become the best version of ourselves overnight, but yeah. one of the things that I learned uh, doing jujitsu at the MMA lab in, in, in Arizona was becoming 1% better every single day. So that's it. That's all you have to do. That 1%, literally. Um, I think that we, like you said, like it's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to be famous overnight. Rome wasn't built overnight. Like it's not an overnight success. Like, and I tell people a lot enjoy the journey to the destination. Like you're going to get there. Like, if you're focused on where you're going, you're going to get there, but you also got to enjoy the journey, the journey and the journey might have some dirt roads. It might not be all the way paved properly. It might have some dips and cracks in it. 
it might not look the way you want it to look at first. So you can't build a house starting with the roof. Mm-hmm. You gotta have a solid foundation. So you gotta enjoy that journey. Like that's that's the main thing. Enjoy the journey to the destination. Absolutely. And I think I'll just tie it together. I think the foundation of this podcast for me is just showing that that a lot of people are looking for answers. And I think just um, to borrow one of the clubs on Clubhouse that used to be really big, brick by brick. I think it's just really just taking the sec, just taking the time to just 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 take it one bite at a time and just really just trying to just take a step in the right direction. So um, any closing words, any anything you want to like send the listeners off with? We, once again, I want to say thanks so much for the, the, you know, making the time to stop by the Squire Empire podcast. I'm glad that uh, I remember when we talked about it on Clubhouse such a long time ago, you know, you were like, this would be a good idea. And it's so great that like, you know, we we both did what we said we were going to do. I was actually able to make it happen. And I told you that I really wanted to have you on here. And uh, I remember this one, my pastor said this, and it, it, it's always been true. It's like delay does not mean, does not mean denied. And I think that's really understanding that sometimes it may not happen on the timing that you think it should happen, but it'll happen when it's supposed to. And it's going to be a blessing no, no matter what. So. Absolutely. And I think at this time I had, now is the perfect time because I had so much more to pour into, uh, so much more to give, so much more I've experienced since then. So definitely was perfect timing. You know, divine timing is always the right timing, God's timing. So definitely, um, I just want to send the listeners off with kind of what I was saying um, previously, like enjoy, enjoy the journey to the destination. It's not going to always look how you want it to look at first mm-hmm. but if you don't quit it's gonna look amazing it's gonna look beautiful you just gotta keep going you just can't stop absolutely well tell them where they can find you what what socials or what 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 information do you want them to know so if they want some life coaching it's a physical you know some physical exercise if they want to like you know work work with you or just be able to support you through any means that they can. What, what, how can they reach out to you? So you can follow me at I am coach Shay. That's S H A E on all social media platforms. I make it really easy to find me. So that's on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Um, And on Facebook, my name is Shanane. Gotta get it Fleming. So that's S H A N A N E. And gotta get it. That's all together because I gotta get it. I gotta get to it. Mm-hmm. And my last name, Fleming, F L E M I N G. So I never changed it. That's always been my name. Um, um, and I think that's all my social plugins. Oh, and you can also follow my podcast on Walking His Ways Voice Impact, which I do every Tuesday at 7 p.m. So um, it was definitely such an honor to be on the Squire Empire. Finally got to do it. I was so excited and I'm honored actually to be on here. So thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm so glad to have you as well. And uh, uh, send me the um, link to your podcast so I can check it out. Um, I'll check it out this weekend when I'm doing some housework. Uh, so, uh, listeners, I thank you again for tapping into another episode of the Squire Empire podcast. In the description box, you will have all of Shay's contact information. Thanks for stopping by and showing me love, and we'll see you next time.